All right, guys, welcome in today's episode of Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Blake Lovell, and on today's episode of the podcast, uh, some more entertaining uh, items uh, from around SEC basketball as we look at uh, the ESPN BPI simulation of Joe Lenardi's tournament bracket that we talked about on Tuesday's episode of the podcast, uh, as well as another early top 25, uh, and uh, a look at how coaches' wives around the country are handling uh, their spouses uh, not coaching basketball right now, and instead being home with them. Uh, a very uh, entertaining uh, discussion on that uh, when it comes to a, a recent story uh, by The Athletic, but we'll get into that. But to start with, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey did have a teleconference on Wednesday to discuss uh, the decision to cancel uh, all sports uh, through the remainder uh, of this academic year, uh, as many other conferences are doing. And uh, we will look more at that teleconference and what Greg Sankey had to say in Thursday's episode of the podcast. But uh, just for reference, because I know a lot of people have seen uh, quotes on that out there, uh, but uh, I want to get a chance to, to listen to the entire press conference. But we'll uh, we'll talk more about what he said and what it could mean uh, moving forward for, for all SEC sports uh, on Thursday's episode of the podcast. But uh, let's dive into uh, ESPN's BPI simulation here. And uh, the BPI, for those who, who don't know, as we've always talked about, you know, in football, it's the FPI. Uh, basketball is the BPI. It makes sense, right? Uh, that's what ESPN uses sort of as their their power index, uh, their set of rankings. And uh, they decided to, to have a little fun with that and uh, to use it to look at the NCAA tournament uh, bracket that Joe Lenardi had that, that we dissected uh, on Tuesday's episode. And um, they went through, simulated every game, and let's just say that uh, it was not in the SEC's favor. Uh, we'll start in the Midwest, uh, as we, we said. Uh, Auburn had the 5-12 matchup uh, against Liberty. That did not work out so well for the Tigers, as it was Liberty scoring uh, one of the traditional 5-12 upsets uh, in ESPN's uh, simulation of that game. One of those games where I think a lot of people would have made this pick. Uh, we have no idea uh, exactly how the game would have played out. It would have been a tough matchup for Auburn in that 5-12 game, uh, but uh, at least uh, in the BPI, uh, the BPI is going to pick Liberty to advance here. So there's an upset, and there's one SEC team already out of the mix. Uh, luckily, Kentucky was able to hold off uh, the upset bid from North Dakota State uh, as the Wildcats did, did advance as the number two seed in the Midwest. Um, and uh, we'll get back to them uh, here in a second in terms of seeing how much uh, further they were able to advance uh, after getting that win against uh, North Dakota State. To the east, uh, the first round matchup was number eight, Colorado, against number nine, Florida. Another SEC team, ousted, uh, courtesy of the ESPN BPI, as uh, the Buffs uh, advance past the Florida Gators. Uh, we don't get that highly anticipated showdown between Dayton and Florida in the second round, uh, and instead uh, now have only a couple of SEC teams left uh, in the NCAA tournament, or Joe Lenardi's version of the NCAA tournament. Um, so uh, the Gators, uh, just like the Auburn Tigers, uh, ousted in the first round. 
However, uh, the SEC does get a second team to the second round, and that is in the west part of the bracket with LSU picking up the win over Oklahoma in the 8-9 game there. Um, So the Tigers able to get the best of Lon Kruger's group uh, to advance to the second round. Um, And uh, as we we sort of teased uh, in the actual bracket that we discussed, um, not a great second-round matchup for LSU. Are they going to be able uh, to, to pull the upset on Gonzaga? We'll get back to that uh, just in a second. Back to the Midwest, where, as we said, Kentucky uh, did advance and uh, will play Providence in the uh, the 2-7 matchup there uh, in the second round. And for the Kentucky fans, hoping for a Final Four bid, um, apparently uh, ESPN's BPI thinks that is not going to happen in this uh, simulation as uh, the Friars pull off the upset and uh, get the win over John Calipari's team in the second round. Not a happy uh, finish to the the NCAA tournament for the Kentucky Wildcats here um, as uh, they just were not able to to hold off the pesky Providence Friars. And it's the Friars uh, advancing on. And LSU now the only SEC team left uh, here as we go through the second round. Were the Tigers able to pull off the win against Gonzaga? No, they weren't. And all the SEC teams eliminated before the Sweet 16. Um, not good for uh, the brand here. As ESPN had the Zags beating LSU to knock out all the SEC teams before we even get to the Sweet 16. A very disappointing uh, ESPN BPI simulation for the conference uh, in this version of the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think we all would have our own different picks in terms of some of these games and, and some of these teams' ability to advance, uh, which, you know, we said Kentucky and Auburn probably would have had a pretty good good chance to advance, uh, you know, the furthest of the SEC teams of these four, but not happening in this particular, uh, you know, prediction and using the, the metrics and all that. Uh, ESPN, not too high, uh, clearly, on the SEC uh, had the NCAA tournament been played uh, as this uh, particular version of it. Not exactly very confident in uh, the SEC's ability uh, to maybe get back, to get three teams maybe back to the Elite Eight uh, like we had several years ago, or even to have that rematch between Auburn and Kentucky uh, in the Elite Eight in the Midwest. But uh, beyond that, uh, if you're curious about how the actual results played out of the entire tournament, uh, this is where things got very interesting. Uh, In the Elite Eight, you had Wisconsin over Duke. Um, that's an interesting one. That's in the Midwest, as we said, where Auburn and Kentucky were at. Um, when you go beyond that, you had number four Maryland over number seven West Virginia in the East region. So Wisconsin and Maryland both in the final four. And then in what was the wildest region of all in the West, you had BYU, who was the number six seed, knocking off the number 12 seed Yale. So you had uh, the Ivy League representative Yale in the Elite Eight. Uh, with BYU marching on to the Final Four. And then you had Virginia over Ohio State. So Tony Bennett getting his team back to the Final Four. And then from there, it was Wisconsin over Maryland. So Wisconsin comes out of the uh, the, the Midwest region um, where Auburn and Kentucky were at. They advanced to the national championship game against BYU. So Virginia, no back-to-back bids to play for the national title. Wisconsin versus BYU. There's a national championship I don't think any of us would have called 
in our bracket this season. Uh, but ESPN's BPI has crowned a champion, and it is the Wisconsin Badgers, as uh, there are your national champions in the number four against number six national championship game. Uh, quite a seed uh, matchup there uh, for all the marbles uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but uh, as we said, I think it's it's very entertaining to look at these because uh, it's fun to think about all these matchups, and that's what, you know, we talk about everything that's going on right now, but we, we were all anticipating one of the wildest tournaments in NCAA tournament history, and and just not to be able to see how it would have played out, uh, man, that's that's another one that just uh, you hate it because uh, it would have been so fun. And, and as we're saying this, you know, we're kind of um, you know talking about well, how in the world would Wisconsin and BYU play for the national championship? You know what? In a season like this, uh, I don't know that, that we could have put it past being a possibility. Uh, it would have just been such a wild tournament. Uh, but uh, at least, uh, you know, we, we can have uh, some fun and excitement with it uh, with the ESPN's version. I know a lot of people are simulating it, too, using uh, video games, NBA 2K or the old uh, College Hoops 2K8 game that was very popular back in the day, um, using games like that, the NCAA basketball games from EA Sports. Um, so lots of lots of variety out there. If you want different simulations on the NCAA tournament this year, uh, no lack of that uh, when you look across social media. Uh, everyone uh, doing a great job uh, keeping it creative uh, when it comes to these. But uh, coming up, uh, we will look at uh, another early top 25 uh, for next season. We mentioned John Rothstein's on the previous episode of the podcast. Now we're going to look at Jeff Goodman's uh, early top 25 for next season uh, and uh, several SEC teams in the mix there. We'll go into that coming up here on the Lockdown SEC podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. And for another way too early uh, top 25 for college basketball next season, um, as we talked about with John Rothstein's uh, way too early top 45, um, these are simply projections based on what the rosters look like right now and, and projecting ahead uh, of what the rosters are going to look like. But because there are so many unknown factors in this um, when it comes to eligibility, you know, recruiting, the draft process, uh, there are so many different elements, uh, as we continue to, to say, um, that it, it just makes it impossible to know. So again, um, this is another one, uh, Jeff Goodman's uh, early top 25, uh, that I know you know is simply based off of um, how we look at teams right now, how we think these rosters could look, uh, but also you know admitting that we really don't have much of an idea uh, just based on you know how, how this whole thing could play out with um, you know sports uh, affected. And what adjustments, you know, coaches are going to have to make uh, to the process itself uh, when it comes to, you know, building their rosters for next season uh, and all of that. But uh, Jeff Goodman uh, Stadium, uh, he he did put out, you know, his early preseason top 25 uh, for next season. And uh, his top five uh, included Baylor at number one, Villanova at number two, Creighton at three, Gonzaga at four, and Michigan State uh, at five. Within the top 10, uh, he did have one SEC team, and uh, probably no surprise, that is Kentucky at number eight, uh, as we we said with with John Rothstein's um, rankings. You know, Kentucky, a team that you're going to project as a a top 10, top 15 team uh, every single season as long as John Calipari is there, uh, just based on knowing how the roster is going to be compiled. And you're always pretty much going to be in the same sort of position when it comes to knowing that there are going to be guys that are testing the NBA draft process, 
um, while also, you know, knowing that you're going to have a, a top five, top 10 recruiting class uh, pretty much year in and year out. So it's, it's the same expectations for Kentucky every season. Um, that's just not going to change uh, with John Calipari uh, at the helm, uh, just knowing that their track record there. So uh, Kentucky inside of, of another top 10, uh, not surprising. And uh, you're going to see that, you know, with, with every uh, preseason ranking for next season, uh, the Wildcats are going to be right there just based on uh, knowing who could come back and knowing the, the recruiting class uh, that they're going to bring in. Uh, the next team on uh, Jeff Goodman's uh, early top 25 is LSU at number 20. Uh, the same sort of theme uh, we, we mentioned, you know, Rothstein had them in there as well. Uh, in terms of, of just looking at LSU, they're, they're going to lose Skylar Mays, but uh, still – you know they're going to have these underclassmen go through the draft process, and which one of those guys come back, uh, you know that's going to depend on, on how we look at LSU uh, going into next season because um, you know they'll have some talented players coming in, uh, and we always have to account for transfers. Not really knowing, you know, who are the transfers that are going to going to come into some of these teams in the SEC that could completely impact the way we look at these teams but just in terms of pure talent I mean I don't think there's any doubt that you're going to put LSU right in that mix uh, if they were to you know get Trenton Watford back if Emmett Williams came back uh, and all that you'd have to put LSU uh, in the top you know top 25 probably I think it makes sense just because uh, from a talent perspective you know that's what we have to go on right now we can't go on all the what-if scenarios just basically on talent and uh, LSU will have the talent uh, to be really good against next season and then at number 22 he does have Arkansas and that that's the one that I mentioned, uh, you know, that, that John Rothstein didn't have in his top 45 that I would have probably put in mine uh, pretty high just based on knowing what, you know, Eric Musselman could have coming back next season. Um, you know, we mentioned the senior class that that, that, that they'll lose in terms of the two transfers with, with Jimmy Witt and Gene Tosilla, uh and then Adrio Bailey. But beyond that, you know, there is a possibility that, that the bulk of their other guys are going to, to come back next season. And if that's the case, uh, when you think about who those guys are, um, and like we said, there's no way of knowing with Mason Jones or Isaiah Joe, um, you know, what, what exactly is there going to be their next move? Um, will they have opportunities at the next level? Uh, yes, but it just depends on, again, is it the right fit uh, this season, you know, or is it going to be, you know, next season? And so um, I think that's something that you have to look at uh, in terms of that group, because if you bring in the recruiting class that Eric Musselman has coming in, which right now, uh, a very good one, it's an elite recruiting class, um, and you add it to, to the guys that you would expect to come back, if you just look at it from an underclassman standpoint, the Hogs are without question a top 25, you know, preseason type of team. And again, that's assuming that you keep your, your roster intact and you don't lose any key players to transfers and all that. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and again, you know, speaking of transfers, you know, as we've always talked about with Eric Musselman, um, he's been really good at that in terms of getting guys uh, into the program as well. And while he has a great freshman class, if he's able to add, you know, an impact transfer as well, um, that just, you know, I think puts Arkansas even further up in terms of looking at them uh, and how they could compare not only to other SEC teams next season, but also uh, to teams nationally. And uh, I think it is at this point. I think it's safe to say that I think you can – you can look at Arkansas as an SEC title contender next season. Um, you know they're going to be that good. You know if if they were to to bring back the the majority of their roster um, and you know be able to to have this recruiting class that we think is going to make a big impact right away. Combine all those things together, 
um, and the Hogs uh, should be a very, very good basketball team uh, next season. But those are the only three teams that the Jeff Goodman does have in his early top 25. Um, the one that I think probably left out that, that I would include in mine uh, without you know question, I think at this point would be Tennessee uh, because I do think the Vols, uh, you know, only losing that that duo of of the Monte Turner and Jordan Bowden, and again, not just saying that as only losing those two because those are very important. But um, you know, Lamonte Turner was out for the majority of the year with the shoulder injury, um, and Jordan Bowden—that's a huge loss from an experience standpoint. Uh, but you know, you bring back John Fulkerson, Eve Ponds, um, you know, Josiah Jordan James, all these other guys that they have a nice nucleus there. And then you bring in, you know, the freshman class uh, with Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson and Corey Walker. You got a, a good team there. I mean, that's a team that you expect to to compete for an SEC title. Um, and so I would probably throw Tennessee in that mix. And uh, we mentioned some of the other teams like Alabama, Auburn, and, and some others you could put in that category because, uh, again, it's just it's based on, you know, w- what the rosters look like and you're having to figure out if you think players are going to come back and knowing that the NBA draft process is going to look a little bit different this season. Uh, it's going to make it harder to know, you know, which players are going to come back, and and I don't think that's going to be anything uh, unusual given the circumstances. Um, it's just basically going to be, you know, it's going to be more, I think, unpredictable with the draft process, and so um, you know that's going to probably cause cho- coaches to change, you know, recruiting and transfers. Uh, and all that, and so th- their approach will, will probably have to change. Um, and, you know, just knowing that that that's probably how things are going to look here, in you know all the uncertainty surrounding you know what what college basketball is going to look like next season, and really what the lead up to college basketball is going to look like next season with, with all these uh, you know important things in terms of recruiting and the draft and all that throughout the summer. Um, how that's affected you know by the coronavirus and all that. It's just it's it's so hard to know. Uh, I think at this point. But uh, there you go. There's another early look uh, at the uh, top 25 potentially uh, for next season in college basketball and, uh, you know, several SEC teams uh, among the group and some uh, that could certainly make the same case, I think, just based on what we know uh, about the rosters uh, at this point. But uh, coming up, uh, we will uh, have some fun with uh, a very entertaining article uh, from Dana O'Neill of The Athletic on uh, how coaches' wives are handling uh, having their husbands at home all the time and uh, we'll look at some of the, the highlights from that uh, coming up here on the Locked On SEC Podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And if you're looking for some high-quality reading material, um, I will point you in the direction of uh, a story from Dane O'Neill of The Athletic um, that she put together uh, with the title, and this uh, pretty much tells you exactly what to expect, uh, with the title, Honey, I'm Home, The Sanity of Coaches' Wives, is being tested like never before. And, uh, you know, for most of you, I assume a lot of you already subscribe to The Athletic. But if you don't, um, these are the kind of stories that you subscribe to The Athletic for because this is just fantastic in terms of uh, this in-depth piece of work that she put together uh, where she's talked to a lot of coaches' wives around the country, and specifically in college basketball, um, and and talking about what their experience has been like uh, having, you know, their husbands at home now when a lot of them uh, would probably be preparing for the NCAA tournament right now. They would have just been going through uh, their specific conference 
conference tournaments, um, but yet they're at home because, as we know, um, all of those have been canceled. The NCAA tournament's been canceled. And so what's it been like uh, for them? And uh, for the SEC slant on this, uh, she mentions two uh, in particular where she has uh, some quotes for, from two different coaches' wives. And we'll start with Danielle Musselman the wife of uh, Arkansas head coach Eric Musselman, and uh, some of the things she mentions uh, just about uh, you know him bouncing back and forth between uh, different things within a span of a few minutes, um, and uh, there's just some great quotes on that. But I thought uh, this quote from her was very funny. Uh, she said, uh, quote, uh, people keep talking about these honey-do lists. Uh, all Eric can do is coach basketball and recruit. He doesn't know how to do anything else. Um, and that was just one of the, the funny lines in this entire thing, and it just kind of shows you uh, what uh, the, these wives are going through right now in terms of having their husbands home. Uh, you know, they're not really, you know, having to, to – they're not getting to prepare for their team's game uh, or anything like that. They're having to focus, uh, you know, on just doing stuff around the house and just getting, uh, you know, their thoughts on it in this story. Uh, it just, it's just hilarious. And, and if you look on Eric Musselman's Twitter, uh, he put out – out a great video uh, of him going through Arkansas basketball practice uh, by himself and just yelling and screaming at guys um, who are not on the floor. It's just him out there running up and down the court, uh, instructing and all that. And, and that just that that's in you know insight into a coach's mind. Like that's what these guys are still thinking about. And it's like uh, they they aren't able to do it because they're they're basically just sitting at home, uh, not being able to, to focus on coaching. And so uh, that was a really funny video. I'll put the I'll put the link to the story and all the other ones that we mentioned uh, with the ESPN. And BPI simulation, uh, Jeff Goodman's top 25, uh, and all that. I'll put those stories, as always, in the show notes, uh, but I'll also put the uh, link in there to Eric Musselman's uh, funny tweet. Uh, thanks to Anthony for uh, referring me to that. I didn't actually see it, but then uh, he sent that to me, and it was uh, it was pretty great uh, to see him running up and down the court. But yeah, so that's one of the ones. And then he also had uh, Tom Crean's wife, who was uh, adding a bunch of uh, funny tidbits uh, about him and sort of just uh, mentioning about how uh, he just kind of hovers um, around, I guess, you know, the house and is around her and uh, asking different things. And uh, one of the quotes uh, I thought was pretty great from her. Uh, here's what she had to say. She said, uh, quote, we go all these months uh, not worrying about what's for dinner. Uh, it's whatever is under the tinfoil. Now it's 1030 in the morning and he's asking me what's for dinner. Uh, um, I'm not even thinking of dinner, uh, end quote. So uh, that's just one of the things, like we say, it's <laughs> you think about uh, the interactions and just uh, the funny moments that I'm sure that it maybe aren't so funny to some of these coaches' wives um, as they uh, have their husbands at home all the time here uh, throughout, you know, the, this unique situation. And so um, it's just, uh, it is, it's a great read. And again, those are two of the SEC coaches that are mentioned, uh, but there are a lot of other uh, funny stories and funny quotes in there uh, from other coaches' wives around the country. I know there, there are lots of them. Dan Hurley uh, from UConn, of course, Syracuse coach, Jim Beheim, uh, Michigan State coach Tom Izzo, uh, and then you've got Louisville coach uh, Chris Mack. They're among the group, but uh, so many uh, great great quotes in there, and uh, definitely if you're looking for some 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 good reading material, um, the Athletic always has uh, great stuff. Which you know we've mentioned lots of stories 
from the athletic here uh, when referencing uh, some of the stuff we talked about here on the podcast. But just in general, uh, they do such such a great job, and, and this is another one of those uh, just you know awesome work from Dane O'Neill uh, because it is it's an interesting uh, sort of angle when you think about it, and uh, you know every how everyone's reacting to the situation, but specifically you know the coaches' wives who have to be at home uh, with these guys and are so used to them throughout this entire month of March or really you know going back to September at this point uh, you know preparing for the season and then throughout the grind of the season and then into the postseason um, they're so used to, to having these guys uh, you know out on the road doing things uh, whether it's play having their team playing in the NCAA tournament uh, whether it's recruiting um, just just so many different aspects to it and now uh, you know they're all at home and they're just kind of sitting around um, you know don't really have games to prepare for at this point uh, they can't go out on the road recruiting uh, and all those different things so uh, very good story I'll link that in the show notes um, just another great read from The Athletic and uh, there are so many of them and and you know again if, if you haven't if you're someone that hasn't subscribed to The Athletic uh, and you really want you know more stories than just this uh, if you want to you know if you love to read and you want some great sports stories I would highly recommend you go back through you know the backlog of a lot of these different sports there are so many great ones in there Um, you know great player profiles coach profiles just stories Um, so many I mean you could you could spend uh, a lot of your time reading some some great stories from the athletic and this is just uh, another story uh, that that really uh, I thought was just such a a fun creative way to approach it uh, because uh, there are there's so many different aspects uh, to this and uh, to get the perspective of coaches wives uh, that was really really good but that'll wrap up uh, this episode of locked on SEC podcast uh, as always be sure you subscribe head over to any podcast app you use just search for locked on SEC and uh, if you enjoy the show uh, again be sure to leave a nice uh, five star rating or, or review that just helps the show uh, reach more people and uh, for everything else you can follow me on Twitter uh, at the Blake Lovell and uh, if you're excited about the upcoming NFL draft and uh, you want some some really awesome draft coverage uh you can find that just tell your smart device uh, to play the most recent episode of locked on nfl draft uh for lots of great nfl draft coverage so uh thanks as always for listening and i'll talk to you guys next time here on the locked on sec podcast part of locked on podcast network